What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Power Play. It is me, your boy Brian, always joined by my fantastic co-hosts, Adam and Matt. Welcome to episode 75. Episode Hal Gill. Um, only kind of he kind of benefits from a lack of competition at the number 75. His only other real competition would be Ryan Reeves. But uh, Hal Gill's 184 career points and longevity with the number uh, kind of edge out Ryan Reeves, as it were. Episode Hal Gill, welcome to it, everybody. How we doing, gentlemen? Guys, Yo. I'm getting tanner. It's Are like, you now? Oh, yeah, go out in the sun. It's like. That was this weekend of being in the nineties, you know, yeah, out there great, in the, out there in the heat. It it was, was hot, hot this weekend. Yeah, I, I embraced it. I just was like, get as sweaty as you possibly can. Um, just attack, oh, you, you psychopath. Attack, dude. <laughs> just it's summer. Just a strange man all around. But we're in playoff basking in sweat. We are. We're in. It's it's another playoff episode. Literally, what we live for as hockey fans, and holy shit, is there (laughs) so much going on? It's hard to wrap your head around. Um, Playoffs, baby. We're gonna start with um, you know pretty much just the hockey stuff. Uh, So so just the Florida and Tampa Bay series. That's the only series right now that doesn't have extra shit going on mostly because it's over and then we'll get into the other stuff but you know let's let's start with that that florida panthers tampa bay lightning series and exactly how wrong i was we all were really how we all were wrong i'm the only one who picked tampa and i thought this was at least going to like Six or seven i think we all did i think we all just kind of assume it's gonna be a really tough fought series and then it wasn't. Um, so. I was worse. I, ha- I had Florida in six. I had more confidence in them than Bing. He's clearly. Um, so what ended up <laughs> happening, folks, if you, you didn't know, Tampa Bay Lightning swept in four games. The Florida the Panthers, rooms. not only that, but then shut them out in game four to win 2-0. Um, Claude Giroux deserved better. I'm just going to say it. He was their best player in game four. He's he pretty the best much player in game six. He was he's pretty in much game six man. In the first round. He was their best player. He basically he had like a 3.9 in the series clinching game in Washington to win in game six. And but, because uh, of that, there's no chance him coming back to Philadelphia. So we just have to <laughs> we just have to hold on to that and cry about it later. But let's talk about the series. Let's talk about the series and exactly how dominant the Tampa Bay Lightning were in this series. I mean, we kind of came into this in pretty much this entire playoff in a way. And we were like, look, they've, they've repeated back to back. They're looking, they looked sluggish in the first series. Um, and, you know, we were like, you know, how are they going to be able to compete with the Florida Panthers and their speed and their skill offensively? And uh, they full blown shut them down. It, it was the way that they were able to play defense against this Florida team, the way they were able to just muscle them pretty much anywhere they wanted to uh, kind of get under their skin a little bit in some situations. And then it seemed like the Florida Panthers team was frazzled. I mean, what did you guys especially, see in the series? Especially after that game too. Yeah. Yeah. Buzzer beater. But yeah. That, like, that was, that was heartbreaking about, for yeah. the Florida Panthers. That was almost backbreaking. And it, you, you could really kind of point to that part of the series and be like, that is where the Florida Panthers lost this series. 
But I want to ask you guys, kind of as, as an overview, what what did you think? I don't know how how did you think Tampa Bay pulled off what they pulled off against the President's uh, President's Trophy winners? Well, it's simple. I mean, they were able to shut down their best players. You say is the it's a tale as old time. Your best players have to be your best players in the playoffs. And when you were starting to look at the series from, you know, game one, you, you weren't getting anything from Huberto. You weren't getting anything from Barkov. Those are your top two players. And then you look at a guy like who's your, like, three, four, five. You look at, like, Giroux, who's, you know, he, he's getting his own. But you, you know, Brian, it's like, it's Drew, like, he only he only does so much. Like he's obviously your third best player on this team. At times he was being playing like your best player on this team. You look at guys like Duclair, who they only showed up like a couple games. Like we were talking about how potent this offense is, how potent this offense was the entire year. And then the playoffs hit. Through a whole Stanley Cup playoffs, they are ranked 10th in goals. 10th. The whole playoffs, they were ranked first in the league throughout the entire year. They went from first to 10th. And not just 10th, but 10th out of 16. Yes. We might add, you know. Um, right. And realistically speaking, yes, they lost their offensive touch when it came to the playoffs. and Especially on their power play. Especially on the power play. And it's really not something you want to see in the case of that kind of being their M.O. is their – just going to score more than you uh they'll give up their goal sure but they'll they'll just score more than you and that that really kind of came to a to a head in the washington series alone you know they struggled against the capitals who realistically everybody was like eh, Florida's gonna take care of this capitals team and you know they, they had their struggles they went to seven games like you know it it, it really went to show that tampa could still can still bang, man. Tampa can still fucking bang. Um, we, talked to, we talked about the switch. We did. Switch. They they have a second gear that it just seems like no other team in the league right now possesses. They've um, won 10 straight playoff series. Yep. The only other teams to do that were the New York Islanders of the 80s and then the, I think, the 60s Montreal Canadiens. Right. I think that was that time period. Uh, but, it, man... Adam, what did you see from Tampa in the way that they were able to shut down the Florida Panthers? To be honest, I don't even know if I really saw – I think the only game of the series I saw was the one with the buzzer beater. But I still feel like Tampa is on heavy legs. They are still playing a little bit sluggish because of the two deep runs that they've already had. But I, this win, I think, solidifies the fact that they are the final boss of the NHL. Like they may look easy. They didn't have their most impactful player in Braden Point. Yeah, the rest of the league is playing Mario Kart and uh the 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 Tampa Tampa Lightning are playing Formula One. <laughs> they're playing Elden Ring, basically. Just you know, it's impossible <laughs> to beat the game. Um and so not only are they the final boss, but also let's not you know forget the president's trophy curse. Let's go through the some of the last years here. 2013 Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup. They were the last team to win the President's Trophy to win the Stanley Cup. 
2014, Bruins lost second round. 2015, Rangers lost in the third round. 2016, Capitals lost in the second round. 2017, Capitals lost in the second round. 2018, Predators lost in the second round. 2019, Lightning lost in the first round. 2020, Bruins lost in the second round. 2021, Avalanche lost in the second round. And we know what happened in 2022. The Florida Panthers lost in the second round. What is what is going on with this President's Trophy thing? What is happening? It's funny you mentioned that, though, because I, I looked up the stat because I think me and Jeff were talking about the President's Trophy earlier today. And I'll pose this as a question. Of the 33 times the President's Trophy has been awarded, how many teams have won the Stanley Cup after winning the President's Trophy? Oh, God. Do you know I the would, answer, I'm assuming? you? you I do know the answer. You know yeah, the I answer? looked it up and I have the answer. Is it more than five? I'm not going to answer. No, no, no. We don't, we're not going for guessing here, Matthew. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I'll, give, I'll, I'll play by. Play but wait, how many years has this been a trophy? Uh, when I searched it, it's in a, it was awarded 33 times. All right, 33 times. I'm going to say seven. Okay. What say you, Matthew? I'll say five. Five? Yeah. By Price is Right rules, Bing is closest. The actual actual answer is eight. Eight. Only eight times in the 33 years that it's been a trophy. Yep. That's according to... That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's according to Wikipedia, our our good buddy, Wikipedia. You know, it, it really goes to show that hockey's different, in a sense, from other sports, where the best team during the regular season is actually less likely to end up winning the championship. It's more more of a challenge. Like, there's more right. eyes on you than any other sport. Like, in, like, baseball, like, I mean, I guess football, you could say there's more eyes. Like, if you're the sure. like, you know, top team in the NFL going to the playoffs, there's more eyes. But, like, when you're – when you've – when you've won the President's Trophy and you're the best team in the MLB – throughout the year i mean any nhl throughout the year like you show it through all quarters of the season like you you stay competitive and you put your best foot forward throughout all four parts of the season and you don't really struggle like you know there's really not a period in that you know season where you struggle so if like there comes a time in the playoffs where you hit a couple bombs like how do you respond from that? And, you know, it shows that, you know, teams can crack. Yeah. And not only can teams crack when they, they don't really go through struggles in the season, but, you know, at the trade deadline, all, all Florida did was just become stronger and it showed on the ice. And then they really didn't have any struggle. Now, when you look at a Tampa Bay team like this one, they had their struggles this year. They had some tough patches that happened to Tampa. But here they are again in, in some form of, anomaly situation here they are clearly the favorite yet again to win the stanley cup and right back in the eastern conference final it's hard to fathom them getting beaten right now yeah Yeah. it's like it's hard to wrap your head around because let's also go into the andre vasilevsky thing the man in elimination games literally turns into a brick wall you can't beat him you cannot Literally. eliminate Andre Vasilevsky unless you try to kill him like Milan Lucic and Nazem Kadri. We'll get into that. But either way, 
either way, you you can't beat Andre Vasilevsky in an elimination game. It just it hasn't happened, and it doesn't even look like it's even reasonable to think that it could happen. He's a machine. He's the Russian machine. He is Bert Kreischer. Yeah. He he is. If we're talking about, there's like, only one Bert Kreischer. There's only one Bert Kreischer, baby. <laughs> if we're talking about the Lightning being the final boss of the NHL playoffs, Andre Vasilevsky is like the hidden boss after the final boss. It's like when you finally kill the final boss. Yep, and but realize you didn't, but you two. didn't know that within the code it gets half its life far back after you kill it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's literally what it is. And to give you an idea of um, what Vasilevsky has done, and the la- this came from uh, NHL TNT after the, the sweep. In the last seven series clinching games, he's faced 200 shots. He has a save percentage of 0.995, a goals against of 0.14, and has posted six shutouts. I mean... Like it's arguably impossible. Like it just, it's like, there's no reason to believe that the Tampa Bay lightning can be eliminated ever. Honestly, I think the closest team they're going to face that could have done it was the Toronto Maple Leafs simply because they had that much scoring. Sure. But so did Florida. Uh, Yes, but no. Elaborate. I feel like for Florida, their scoring power came from mainly Huberto and maybe Barkov. But after that, there wasn't a lot of depth. There was more of the assisting depth. Whereas with the Maple Leafs, you had Austin Matthews, William Nylander, John Tavares. Um, I don't know if Morgan Riley was a big goal scorer, but he could show up when he needed to. Jason Spezza has a weird, uncanny ability to show up when he needs to. Um, like, there's a lot more scoring depth there, whereas I feel like Florida, if they have scoring depth, it greatly dried up, and I think what helped them was Carter Vahegi kind of coming out of left field and, like, right. awakening something. Um, but I don't see – the only other team that theoretically – could give Tampa a run for their money is the Edmonton Oilers. And I don't think Mike Smith holds up to Tampa Bay at all. Well, I just want to comment because I have Carolina beating Tampa in the Eastern Conference Finals. I have that. I mean, I ain't put it on paper, but that, that's my – that was my final prediction going into the playoffs. I mean, it's pretty easy to change your mind after you, we just saw the performance yeah. by the Tampa Bay Lightning without – arguably their most impactful player in the playoffs besides their goaltender and Brayden Point. Um, and also, you know, you look at Carolina, they're in a dogfight series with the New York Rangers. Like, it seems like New York's kind of getting their step up right now. Um, so, but it's all going to come down to who can really beat this team twice in a row. You know, they've shown, they can, yeah. they've shown they can lose one. I mean, not against Florida, but like, They've shown they can <laughs> Toronto showed that they, they were they had holes. Yeah, they are beatable. That they are beatable, but that was also the first round. Yeah. Right. And it, you, I was thinking about this the uh the other uh, the other day. Right, well, not even the other day, just right after the sweep. I was thinking about this. And <laughs> the last team 
to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoff series was the Columbus Blue Jackets. Oh, yeah, yeah. In the, Jason, in the bubble. This is all your fault, Jason. We love you. This is all your fault. <laughs> John Tortorella, Cam Atkinson, Artemi Panarin, and Sergey Bobrovsky. They did that. Nikolina, they did yeah. that. Um, Columbus uh, awoken the beast. Ha- yeah, it hasn't happened since, but you know, hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> Um, Since we're on this video game kind of like um, comparison line, Columbus was like the player that takes his character all the way to the final boss and manages to pull it off. And then, like you said, Bing, it you, it's coded to get half of its life back after you beat it. And here we are. Right. And this is this is the situation that we find ourselves in, where it's just it's not even like beyond a reasonable doubt to assume that if. If uh, they they play as well as they have been playing in the Eastern Conference Final, they they win that, and then they go to the Stanley Cup Final, and they probably will win it again. And you know, it's as a hockey fan, I want to ask you guys if if it mm-hmm. so happens that the Tampa Bay Lightning end up winning another Stanley Cup, right? What is this boring to you? No. Not at, at all, man. See, there's a sense of boredom to me. I I get that, but I feel like because hockey is so unpredictable, it makes it that much like more fun. It's not like basketball where the same teams constantly do it year after year after year, and you can just kind of see the writing on the wall. I have unfortunately, if you look over the past history, it kind of does seem like. You know, the same teams are winning or in the Stanley Cup finals year after year. I mean, if you look at like, you know, Blackhawks and the Kings and then the Penguins and then, you know, teams, you know, found a way to get mm. two in a row. But like if you when I talk about like appreciating what this team has done, I mean, I think it starts with John Cooper, really like he has taken the idea of coaching to another level like this guy just does does really does never presses the wrong buttons in the right in the most important spots he knows his team like inside and out you know it's it i i think we need to really appreciate how good john cooper has been as a coach i think he's been one of the best coaches you know that's ever come through this sport it, I, it is it is possible because you know yeah they have star power i mean they they just do we know that right. uh, but also Kucherov, like victor Hedman, like, right you know, right real right. Uh, best goaltender in the league andre Vasilevsky. but like no one no one talks about these guys in the same breath as you know they they once talked about wayne gretzky mark messier and uh paul coffee and like that that edmonton run right and you know, if if you asked me the coach of that team right now, I couldn't tell you. I know that. Um, but everybody knows who John Cooper is. And it's because, yeah, he's got star power, but he doesn't have like life changing star power like the Edmonton Oilers of the of the yesteryears did have. You know, like we know who this coach is because a lot of the success Tampa Bay is finding is because of coaching. And also, let's not forget what Stevie Y put together here. I know yeah. he's no longer the GM, but Stevie Y put this together. Yeah, his fingerprints are all over this. 
it's still basically the team that he put together. There's not like a whole lot of change going on here. No. Been some change, but yeah. But yeah, there has obviously there has been some change, but if you look at the core of what this team is, that's a Stevie Y product. Which, if you're a Red Wings fan, I'm like salivating. Oh, if I'm a well, we've we've already talked about the Red Wings recently here on this podcast, but like, man, if I'm a Red Wings fan, I am so excited to see what Steve uh, Steve Eisenman does with the organization where he got his career from, you know, where he got his mm-hmm. success from. You know, same organization, and now he's the GM. And his GM track record is pretty much fucking spotless. Okay. <laughs> I think yeah. I mean, dear lord. Um, but you know, yeah, I know we've been talking about a series ending sweep for a little while here, but just that the absolute ability for this team to just get it done in just the the most extreme sense of the phrase, it's it's something. It's something to talk about. It is it is a whole something to talk about. Now, fortunately, and also sort of unfortunately, there's plenty to talk about in the other series, but it's not most it's not really about uh and not at least not all of it is about what's going on on the ice. Um we'll just start with the Colorado Avalanche and the C uh St. Louis Blues series. This series uh, I don't think we really expected it to get that heated. No, I did. I did. But you're, teams, you're, yeah, here we are. These two teams face each other a lot. They do. But, you know, I I wouldn't go out of my way and, and say, like, I expected this, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't have um, expected, like, Battle of Alberta levels of heat. So I, I we, I'll say I did because, like, these two teams are just – like tough, big, like strong teams. Like that is true. They're they're big, tough teams. Um, so here we sit as Colorado has a three games to one lead over St. Louis, and uh, tomorrow night, or the actually t- tonight, if you listen to it on Wednesday, um, are looking to close the door on St. Louis. And now, St. Louis is currently missing their starting goaltender in Jordan Bennington. For uh, for some reasons. So let's talk about the play. If you haven't seen it, I suggest hopping on Twitter and taking a look. You can just kind of search uh, Nazem Kadri, uh, Jordan Biddington, and, and it'll pop up for you. Um, so Jordan uh, Jordan Biddington is trying to make a save by sweeping across uh, the crease. A St. Louis Blues defenseman whose name is escaping me. Does, do anyone else remember the defenseman that was involved in that play? Was it fall? No, I don't think so. Was it Barbashev? Rosen? Was it Rosen? I don't know. Um, oh, yes, it was. Um, no. 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 Okay, well, the defenseman doesn't really much matter in this situation, even though technically he does. Um, Blues defenseman is also moving towards the net to kind of sweep the puck out of the way. Nazem Kadri's making a move at the net to put the puck in the net. That's what offensive players do. Um, there is a there is a collision in front of Bennington, probably about a foot in front of Bennington, and then both players go tumbling into Jordan Bennington, and it appears he has I believe I believe it was a hip injury to his left hip or his left leg or some form down there, and he lower was unable body. to complete the game. It's a lower, lower body, body LBI lower body injury, um, unable to complete the game. And, you know, then Colorado wins. And then in game four, not only does Colorado win again, but then Nazem Kadri scores a hat trick. Now, 
this would all be, you know, kind of what you would expect to be a hockey play and things of that nature. However, it's not some cadre. So nothing can really go um, swimmingly when he's involved in a certain situation like this. Um, after the fact, after the play happened, after the game concluded, uh, Nazem Kadri and his wife and his family began receiving multiple messages from blues fans that, you know, I'm going, I'm going to try and read a, a couple of the, I guess the kosher ones. Um, the, the they're not. awful folks. These are, these are terrible. You don't have to bother reading them. Like we, you, you know, we all know what could right. could have been written in these messages. It's it's really bad. Um, if you really want to, I don't feel like reading them out loud. They're they're terrible. Um, if you really feel like reading them, uh, you can go to the New York Post article about the uh, about the messages that he received because there's a lot of them on there that you can read. Um, they're all. They're all racist. Every single one of them. They're all racist. And this is the kind of stuff that we can't sit here and allow to happen in the sport of hockey throughout NHL fans, so on and so forth. Um, if you're a St. Louis Blues fan and you were involved in any of this or any of the any of the discourse involved in this against Nazem Kadri, you should feel absolutely disappointed in yourself. And you should honestly, pro- like, probably just take a break from watching hockey. If this is, if this is what it's going to make you do, you're going to send death threats to somebody's family. You're going to be make outrageously racist comments to somebody and their family. It's ridiculous what's going on here. So, a feel just so so terrible. First and foremost. Second, stop listening to us because we're fed up with you. Third, stop watching hockey. If this is what it's gonna, if this is what's gonna happen. This sport hockey, is not for you. Hockey is getting more diversified by the as the year goes on. You still you see players coming into the show who have you know different different ethnicities and they play different roles. You get you know your guys who play like uh you know your your deep death roles like uh the the brothers on Detroit uh who, the Smith brothers. The Smith, oh, the Smith brothers, you have the and then, Suzuki brothers. And then you um, have, you know, a guy who's like mixed race, who's a superstar like Austin Matthews, who's a Spanish. Ethan Bear is another one. Was it Ethan Bear? Who was the one that had the um his um I'm trying to think of how to how to phrase it. He wrote his name on the back of his jersey in like the language of the um of his nationality. I think it was Ethan Bear. Oh, yeah, it, I think that might have been Ethan Bear. Um, he, yes, but Matt makes a great point. Hockey is becoming more diverse by the year. More people are becoming akin to the game, learning to play at a younger age and be able to play at a professional level. If you are so racist that you cannot stand hockey to not be the whitest sport known to mankind, stop fucking watching. Yeah, so that's all we're going to say about this comment. Yeah. But either way... The when the play happened, honestly, I watched it a bunch of times from a bunch of different angles. I don't know if you guys did just because I really initially couldn't tell if it was Nazem Kadri's fault or if it was the defenseman changing his course. After watching all the angles that are available, basically, 
I came to the conclusion that Nazem Kadri was was not going directly towards Jordan Bennington. But his course was most certainly changed. Yeah, I, I I completely had the same opinion. I'm like I'm actually been a, a quite a fan of how Nazem Kadri play. I've really changed my opinion of him. Like he plays the game hard in the right way, and uh, you know, call me wishful thinking. I hope the Flyers go after him this offseason. There's rumors that they might. But then again, that would just make, you know, Elliot Freeman be right about everything. And uh, <laughs> is, not, is Elliot Freeman yeah. ever wrong? You know, <laughs> like, let's be I was going to say, it's very but rare. It, it feels like Bridge is never Kod- wrong, man. But Kadri would make a great flyer and he's playing some great hockey. And, uh, you know, he's part of like, um, you know, this uh, small group in the NHL of diversified players that are trying to, you know, bring awareness to this stuff. Like he keeps going on pressures like, hey. It's, it's nothing new to me. Like I've been dealing with this my whole life. Like, not, and then, you know, it's a shame it happens, but he's like, and, you know, he's just, uh, he's willing to be a bigger man and shine a light on it and just, you know, you know, keep moving ahead. I, I love this comments after he scored the hat trick on the TNT tonight crew, you know, with everyone. And he goes, you know, if, if y'all hate, if y'all hate, you know, yeah, you know, I'm. I did that for you, like scoring that yeah. hat trick. Yeah, I, mean, I was gonna say, like, talk hope about the Flyers statement. go. A- hopefully, hope the Flyers go after him. Talk about an attitude adjustment that this team needs. You know. Sure, but you know, all that aside, um, right. when it when it really comes down to it, yeah, he turns around the next night and scores a hat trick. You know, Nazem Kadri. You can say what you want about him. He is kind of a uh, a divided player, player in a way. He's not afraid. To, he's not afraid to go across that line. He's not afraid to cross the line. Uh, sometimes, you know, I've heard comparisons to like Brad Marchand type of annoyance. I don't think he comes anywhere close to that. He's not licking people. But if you want to know more about that, you can go to the Liquors Will Always Be Liquors episode. Um, <laughs> we have that basically bookmarked. It's just a bookmarked episode. Everybody can go enjoy that. Um, but, you know, he is a bit of a divisive player. And that's, you know, kind of why the it was highlighted what happened and everybody tried to immediately blame him because some people moniker him as a dirty player when in reality he just plays hard and sometimes he does cross the line yes sometimes the wires get crossed it happens to a lot of players um it's not like he's tom wilson out here literally just like throwing people by their hair you know just being a menace to society um and really I think the fault is kind of on the blues defenseman for just kind of yeeting nazim kadri right into jordan binnington yeah, uh, boy, I what a what I have. I had Colorado in I think six or seven. So, um, I do think because the series is at three one now, I do think St. Louis finds a way to win a game. But then again, you, you have Colorado you, I, in six, by the way. Yep, I did. Okay, um, so I do have St. Louis winning one more game. Might not even happen, but uh. I think it would be hard for St. Louis to a come back from, you know, all of this uh, and then also come back without Jordan Bennington. All right, don't get me wrong. Billy Huso has done an admirable, admirable job at being a good goaltender here in these playoffs. But I just think in general, Jordan Bennington is the better goaltender of the two of them. And I don't know if Billy Huso can get you out of this three, one hole. I don't know what I think I have Colorado, but I forget how many games. You have Colorado also in six. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Actually, I have Colorado in five, so I'm set for uh, – Set to be right. 
He's set to yeah, be. Yeah, you're you're set up there a little bit, huh? Um, a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> but you know, to talk more about the series and less about the play, um, I don't know. It just seems like Colorado is constantly one step ahead of the Blues, and the Blues did not look like this in the um, Minnesota series. The Blues looked dominant defensively. They looked like they could get to the dirty areas and score goals, and it's like they're getting away from that here and more getting into the grit and the grind, which, you know, they're good at, don't get me wrong, but they have to do it in the right places at the right times to be able to put the puck in the back of the net and also secure their own defensive zone, which they don't seem to be doing. It seems like Colorado is constantly one step ahead of them um, with Chris passing, getting pucks into the zone, keeping pucks into the zone and shutting them down defensively. As far as the rest of the series is concerned and not so much this play, what have you boys seen that Colorado has been able to do with, you know, the St. Louis Blues are a good, good hockey team. They are, you know, if they don't run into Colorado here, you could really kind of just bookmark them for the Western conference final in a way. Boy, it's all about, you know, the statement I made earlier, best players have to be your best players. You know, you look at Kale McCarr, what he's doing, Nathan McKidding, who's, you know, playing maybe a lesser role, not trying to jump in, but he's still getting his own. Like, they have good, their star players are getting their own. It's all it, you know, it's all it really is. Uh, if their star players get their own, they know they're going to, you know, take care of business. Right. And, you know, star players needing to be star players also goes to Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. And David Perron, ever since the Kadri situation has just made it his mission to go after and harass Nazem Kadri, completely ignoring the good parts of his game, which is getting in good scoring positions, getting in front of the net and grinding it out to get pucks in, uh, into the net. Um, he, David Perron was fired $5,000 for his cross check on Nazem Kadri, um, which is the maximum allowable fine under the collective bargaining agreement. He was not suspended any games. I guess they deemed it not suspendable. But, you know, you watch the, you know, what David Perron did to Nazem Kadri, and he's borderline assault in a, in a way. Um, you can't – I understand he was impactful in the injuring of your starting goaltender. That That's something that you can't allow as a hockey player. However, doing what David Perron did is not the way to handle that. You're taking yourself out of play. You're taking yourself out of – remembering what you're there to do, which is to kind of be the Blues goal scorer in a way, especially with how the, the playoffs have gone. David Perron has been putting, puck, uh, putting pucks in the back of the net with regularity in these playoffs, and he's gotten away from that entirely. Um, Adam, what are you seeing from Colorado right now that kind of has them having the upper hand on the Blues? I think they're just playing their game, and I think this is, for lack of a better way of putting it, this is kind of like Colorado's coming out party we've known they've been a good team for so long they just haven't been able to stack the wins up in the playoffs to get them to where they should have been um really all this time kind of almost in the same conversation that tampa bay and pittsburgh and all them have been in as like true stanley cup contenders and i think that's just what's finally starting to click and fire on all cylinders um whether or not it holds out i don't know uh we'll have to wait and see but i think it's just really Colorado outplaying St. Louis in this um, un unfortunate situation with Nazem Kadri has kind of pulled the Blues away from what their game plan should be, and I think that's what's really going to end up hurting them here in at least um, 
when everyone's listening to this tomorrow during game uh, five. Right. And, you know, obviously I think we can all agree that Colorado definitely has the upper hand here. There's, I think like in my mind, there's a really, really good chance that they close the series out on Wednesday and, and get the five game. I just think that they, they continuously look like they are a step to two steps ahead of the St. Louis blues. And now the blues don't have Jordan Bennington in, in net. Um, a lot of different drama going on with that series that, you know, we'll have to see how that goes. But right now, Colorado just flat out is playing better hockey than St. Louis. And it's really showing. And I think that I think Adam's right. I think this is kind of in some weird way, a coming out party for Colorado. Cause like, like it Adam should, said, you know, it shouldn't be, it, it shouldn't be. Cause we've known they've been a good hockey team this entire time. It's just, they haven't been able to do it in the playoffs yet. Here they are. Um, to move what I think also before yeah, we get too far away from it, what I think also helps is something that we haven't talked about. Kadri has an unfortunate history of playoff suspensions, right? Which a didn't help his situation with Bennington at all. I don't think. I, I think if that history isn't there, you don't have as big of a a drama as there is. There would be drama, but I don't think it would be this crazy. Um, but he's finally playing for lack of a better way of putting it like clean. There hasn't been anything that's been like a discussion of him getting suspended. He's been playing the game that a lot of people know he can play and he's staying out of those areas of possibly getting suspended. And I think if that continues on top of things falling in line, finally for Colorado, I think they might win the cup. There's definitely a chance other Tampa than it gets Tampa, there. I don't know. Other than Tampa Bay. I do think the Colorado avalanche are looking like the potential cup winner in these playoffs um, just because of how good of a team they are, man. They're just a really well-rounded team. And you're right. Nazem Kadri, if he stays out of suspension trouble, stays out of all that extra curricular stuff, he's just a flat out good player. Yeah. Man can, man can play, you know? And I think with all this going on and how unfortunate it is with, him and his family, if he's taking anything from this and from that hat trick the day, you know, the next game if, to prove anything to you, um, I think he's taking motivation fuel. from this. It's, it's fuel. fuel. It is. It's just gassing the Nazem Kadri fire, which is a dangerous, which is a dangerous fire to add wood to, you know? Oh yeah. Um, Absolutely. Cause he can, he can realistically do it on his own if he really wanted to. Um, all right, but we we have other hockey to talk about. I know it's crazy, right? Um, we're already another what? goalie drama. Another, we're already a half hour into this episode. Um, yet more goalie drama. Let's talk about Calgary and Edmonton, the Battle of Alberta. I love um, the series. I love another this. goalie so that has been hit. Um, Milan Lucic is going behind the net to get a puck, and Mike Smith is back there playing it. Milan Lucic gets close to Mike Smith. Looks like he's stopping, doesn't end up stopping, and hits Mike Smith behind the net. Mike Smith goes into concussion protocol. He is, however, deemed to be playing game four, I believe, right? Yes, he is in net uh, tonight um, when we're recording this. He is in net starting. So he was not seriously injured, no concussion, thank goodness. Um, But did you guys get a chance to see the hit? I've seen the video, yeah. And what say you? Do you think Milan Lucic did it on purpose? Or do you think he's just not that good of a skater? I think that was 100% avoidable is what I, I think. I agree. I think it was avoidable. Um, I mean, again, it's it's 
after talking about how Nazim Kadri has the history where it hasn't helped him, I I think this is a similar kind of thing for Lucic. But at the same time, there was nobody changing his direct uh, trajectory. He might have stopped to maybe look like he wasn't trying something, but his team's down for nothing, and the goalie's playing the puck. You can't tell me he didn't think it and maybe said, you know what, uh, uh, maybe I'll just give him a little love tap. Uh, you know, funny enough, that's exactly uh, how I deemed the play. I thought in t- his first intention was to slow up, not hit him, and then, you know, try to play the puck or whatever. And then probably about a foot away from Mike Smith, he goes, you want to know what? Fuck it. I mean, maybe if we just give him a little bit of a love tap. And unfortunately for the situation, Milan Lucic not a very good skater. Um, so instead of giving him a little love tap, pretty much all of his momentum goes into Mike Smith and crushes uh, him into the boards. Um, I think I'm, lo- I'm looking at the play again. I don't think it's a love tap. I think he, he meant to do something. Yeah, there's something there. And Milan Lucic yeah. has never been uh, touted as a very clean player. Uh, kind of one of those grinders that likes to get into the dirty areas. It's exactly what he does. Um, Matt, what say you, though? You've seen the play. What, what, is, what is your assessment? I didn't think he did on purpose because, like, kind of the statement he made, like, if he was trying to hit him on purpose, like, both of them wouldn't be playing, like, next game because they both would have really hurt themselves. Um, I just think he's a really bad skater and just didn't re- realize how much he's time a he had to, yeah, how much time he had to slow down. So, um, but, you know, we saw it with Ryan Miller when he uh, smoked him. That's true. <laughs> he yeah. smoked Ryan Miller. Uh, so, um, it's like, uh, see, I, I just I, don't think he did it. Right. Cause it's like, why would you do this in this situation? Like, why would you like put a goalie through the boards and just, you know, you know, if you, you ask, know, if you ask any, any skater, um, which I wasn't, I was a goalie, but if you ask any skater, one thing they would absolutely love to do because goalies are so protected is absolutely obliterate a goaltender one time. They would all love to do it. Every single one of them. You ask any skater. Really? Absolutely love to just obliterate a goaltender one time. So some um, have the some have the guts to actually do it and just <laughs> accept the consequences. And that's exactly what I'm saying is I think yeah. Milan Lucic is one of the guys that does not mind the consequences that come with absolutely smoking a goaltender. Now if Milan Lucic yeah, if Milan Lucic really wanted to, he could have just fucked him right up. I mean, it, it was it was numbers, it was the back of the nameplate and numbers staring back at him, and he could have just ruined Mike Smith's day. Well, but he may did. I play, may, may I play conspiracy theorist? Would and love that. I love conspiracy theories. Maybe, because I mean, let's be real. If he said, you know, I'm going to obliterate Mike Smith right here, right now, and end this man's night. He and did it. He would have absolutely been suspended for the series, if not the rest of the playoffs. Right. Milan Lucic isn't necessarily stupid. I would like to think he might not be a, a good skater, like Fish said. But if he knows he's going to get suspended for obliterating him, he would absolutely pretend to stop up and then obliterate Mike Smith because that's he got five in a game and no other discipline. Right. Or, um, he got five minutes in the game misconduct. Um, 
no suspension. I don't think he was fined for it. If he was, it was the league min $5,000, which big whoop. Um, so he absolutely could have said, you know what? I'm not going to ruin my series and, you know, completely destroy Mike Smith like I know I can, but I'll at least send a message. Right. And, you know, I think in a way, it's hard, obviously, because, you know, you can, can perceive it two ways, however you want to perceive it, where whether it was an accident or whether it was intentional. But the way that I saw the play kind of shake out is he did slow up, but then he turned his skates forward again. It, 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 turning your skates forward is an intentional movement. Now, I don't know if he thought that he was skilled enough to make a quick turn and maybe, like, stick lift and get the puck. He's clearly not. Uh, first, first of all, um, and in that tight of quarters, maybe the only person that could is Connor McDavid. But you know, he did make the the intent to turn his skates forward directly back at Mike Smith, and that that does say something. I mean, to be fair, he to could have in, instead of charging at Mike Smith because I mean, I'm, I'm I'm watching the replay as I'm saying this. There's a good gap between where he can see Mike Smith is clearly going to play the puck instead of continuing his path. And I don't know how hard this actually would be on skates. He could pivot to the right to cover up the side. Cause he's got a defender back covering Mike Smith's back. So if, if you cut him off at the pass, he's got nowhere to send that puck and you could theoretically pick it off, send the pass over and maybe cut the deficit to three at that point in my head. But he instead chooses to, go forward maybe decides to stop up i listen conspiracy theory adam over here putting the tinfoil hat on i think he just did that for showmanship sure sure and you know he did get the five and the game uh he he was not fined and he wasn't suspended for the next game but you know all things considered it was a play that happened and it definitely lit a fire under edmonton um, however, one player for the Edmonton Oilers that doesn't need a fire lit under him is Connor McDavid. <laughs> he, all, he always has a fire lit on he him. He is the fire. That man is an absolute machine. Uh, NFL quarterback for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, Derek Carr, tweeted out, okay. I don't know who's more ridiculous, real-life Connor McDavid or the one in EA Sports NHL. Either way, <laughs> he's ridiculous. Um, and that, that answer sums it up, folks. That answer is yeah. easy. That answer is easy. Both. I mean, well, it's not. Both. No, it's obviously <laughs> the same. Alive, alive, Connor McDavid. Because what you do in a video game, like you can create anyone to do that. Like what Connor McDavid does real life. Psh, psh, no, but like that. That's what's the most important. Is realistically speaking, any video game player ever is the best version of themselves because those stats stay stagnant. It's, it's a video game. It's not like they have a conscience or anything like that. Um, unless you want to get into that, that idea where like video game characters are sentient beings. It's a di- totally different episode. Um, it's a but, movie that's like that. Exactly. Um, but that's why it's so important to understand what Derek Carr is saying here is that Connor McDavid in real life is doing video game shit. Yeah. And, and the crazy. thing is, when you think about it, technically video games, like, there's rails. There's limits to what you can actually do. Connor McDavid in real life 
throws that concept out the window. And this man just does whatever the hell he wants. Absolutely limitless what Connor McDavid can do. And let's also not forget that the rest of Edmonton's lineup is nothing to scoff at either. They have quite the lineup there. Um, Evander Kane, please, why do you do this to me so? Evander Kane, playing out of his damn mind right now. He really is. Uh, Leon Uh, Dreisaitl, doing Leon Dreisaitl things. And it's kind of all coming together for Edmonton, and now you've really pissed him off. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Calgary. Absolutely. All you've done is made them very angry, which I don't know if that is a smart thing to do when this is a team that boasts those kinds of players. Right now, the series stands. Edmonton leads to one. Uh, they play tonight. They're play, are they uh, yes. haven't started yet, but um, they play tonight, and they well, play in Edmonton, time. which I'm assuming is going to be a packed house. So Absolutely. I don't know. The, to me, and I'm going to ask you guys, with this situation, does it feel like Calgary just kind of handed over the series to Edmonton? It kind of it feels like it, man. It does. Uh, yeah. I mean, when one player is making you have to change everything, it's like that's just one player. It's like they have many more too. They have a they have a bunch of dudes that can score. Yeah, right. Um, it's crazy how they they were able to turn this series on its head just that quickly like everyone's looking like calgary is just gonna you know play the edmonton's weakness and uh you know it seems like edmonton's strength is a lot better than their weakness yeah and i mean that that you could say that about any sport where you just kind of hope that your strengths are able to outweigh your weaknesses clearly edmonton does have the weakness of poor goaltending However, mm. poor goaltending has now become average, mm. which is a game changer. Mm. I still disagree with you, sir, but go on. I'm just saying. Um, the, the, the relatively poor goaltending going on in Edmonton has now turned average to above average, which is a complete game changer for this lineup, considering its strength is not its defense and goaltending. Um, Adam, what say you? Does it feel like Edmonton's almost got handed the series with A, all of this action going on, and B, the fact that they have seemingly turned this entire series around. I don't think they've been handed the series, but I think it's going to come down to how they respond to the Mike Smith situation tonight. Um, I mean, we saw, you know, there was a line for all that happened right after the fight, um, but the game was already like in hand. So really there was no chance for any other response at that point, how they come out and play tonight is I think what's really going to kind of, define if Edmonton has thrown another switch and gone to the next level, or if they're still playing at the same level that they were playing this entire series. Um, But I'm telling you, Edmonton's looking like a pretty clear cut underdog and Connor McDavid angry kind of scares me the more I think about it. Right. Um, However, and I'm going to bring up another topic here for comparison's sake. You could say that St. Louis got away from their game after what went down with the Nazem Kadri situation. And you, you talking about the, how Edmonton responds, there is the chance that they get away from their game because they're still very upset as to what went right. down. And that's why I don't think <clears throat> can confidently say that they've been handed the series. There's a good chance that Edmonton falls down the, the revenge rabbit hole 
completely loses their game and Calgary capitalizes, which maybe was the game plan all along. I mean, there's any other number of different branches that you can go down for how this is. But if Connor McDavid is the kind of athlete that I think he is, and this really kind of just started festering thinking on the question that Fish posed to us in our group chat, I I think he'll use this as fuel and he's going to light up for the rest of the series, if not at least game five, because good Lord, is this going to be something to see? Right. It is. It, it's going to be something to behold. And, you know, I'm, you look at Edmonton's roster and you're like, I don't see anybody really on this roster who has, you know, vendettas or anything like that. And then you remember they have the wild card that is Evander Kane. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that Evander Kane, um, is going to be a, you know, a thorn in the side for the Edmonton Oilers because he will seek out revenge. We don't know what he's going to do because he's been playing like a different player since he's been with the Oilers. He's just a strict offensive talent is kind of staying out of trouble, staying out of shit, which is good. Where have I heard this before? Where have I heard this before? That's a, that's a good point. Um, stay shavu. Yeah. I feel, I feel like we talked about the same thing in this episode, uh, uh, but uh. You know, when you look at it, Evander Kane would be the guy in that Edmonton lineup to seek revenge. He would be. Now, if you're Edmonton and say Evander Kane does seek revenge, how do you how do you keep the lid on this thing and get back to doing what you do? If this is the kind of Evander Kane I'm thinking this is right now, it's going to be a combination of what he does best and being the thorn in the side of the Calgary Flames. This is a, how do I, this is a, a Evander Kane on a one-year deal. This is the Evander Kane that comes in, shows that he's got hockey skill, but at the same time can be that sandpaper that a team's looking for. And then the problems come up when you pay him for term. That's, I mean, once, once is a, a coincidence. Twice there's something. There's a fire brewing. I'm smelling smoke. Um, we'll we'll see what happens. I think honestly he's going to stick to his offensive game, but he's still going to be that thorn in the side, sandpaper. Might might you know jaw jack with Lucic. They might drop the gloves. I could see him doing the same thing with Kachuk because the two of them have been going back and forth all series, which I low key kind of love. Um, but I don't think Evander Kane is going to be a problem just yet for him. I'll put it that way. All right. Uh, Matt, what say you? What say I? Ooh, Uh-oh. boy. I uh, mean, like, you think that by the way this series has gone, Calgary is going to be able to get their own, like still be able to get their own, like their star players are still going to be able to eat, like Chalk, Adrell, that line. Um, it's going to come down to capitalizing on, you know, special teams. You get power plays, you got to score. And then once they get power plays, you got to shut them down. So, um, I, I mean, the, the series has been turned on its head. It, Edmonton really has taken that lead. They are looking like a unit. Right. And I do think best case scenario would actually be Evander Kane going out of his way just to fight Milan Lucic. These, these two are uh, two hockey guys, you know, they understand the code. 
Um, if they drop the gloves, they settle it there, they fight, they go to the box for five minutes, problem solved. We move on with our lives. My only thing is I'm worried about Evander Kane trying to settle the vendetta without officially dropping the gloves and taking it like into his own hands where he attempts to do some dumb shit against Milan Lucic. Like either a cross check or, you know, a check in the back or just like a, like a slew foot or any of those, any of those things. Best case scenario is they line up across from each other. They nod their heads and they get after it. I think that would be best case scenario for this to, to be settled and get back to the hockey at hand. If you're Daryl Sutton, do you bench Milan Lucic for this game? No, because if I'm Daryl Sutter, I realize that he's other than Kachuk, but Kachuk has offensive firepower. You need Milan Lucic because you can't have Kachuk out there settling scores. You need him to be scoring. That's what you need him to do. Um, You need him to be on the score sheet. So Milan Lucic is kind of your great sandpaper guy that you kind of need. Fair enough. I, I can see that. My, my, my thought process with that question is more so of like, Daryl Sutter kind of comes across to me as the guy that doesn't like having distractions like this. He does not. Which, knowing that Milan Lucic is going to be the clear target, you don't want that distraction. You don't want to have to really necessarily deal with that. So that's why I would bench him for a game, let the smoke clear out, and then come back if you win come back, you know, the next game, throw them back in there to sandpaper it up and just kind of move on. But I can see where you're coming from. My way of thinking about how Sutter's going to deal with this is he's what he's probably going to end up doing, because you got to remember, he's also an old hockey guy. He understands old hockey, understands mm-hmm. old time hockey, and that's kind of the game that he likes and respects. He sends Milan Lucic out there first line. And he's like, look, if you're if you guys are going to send somebody out there to settle this, let's do it now. Or forever hold your peace. That's fair. I can see um, that. That would kind of be the way I look at it. Is is he's probably going to line up first line, and we're going to find out if somebody's going to do something about it. And then if they it's not done the proper way in the proper old time hockey fashion, then Sutter's probably going to be pissed because he feels like there's a certain there's a certain way the game should go, and that would be the kind of game that he'd be looking for. Um, yeah, I honestly, if that's the way it's settled, I think that's the best because what I like most about this series is how intense it is, but I don't like the distractions. I don't like the distractions in any of these series. I enjoy how intense these series are, but these distractions are absolutely killing it um, in the bad way, I should say, killing it in the bad way. Um, but there is there is yet another series to talk about here, folks. There's four of them. <laughs> And if you thought we were getting away from the drama, boy, were you wrong because Tony D'Angelo is in this series, folks. Um, so, so the New York Rangers and the um, Carolina Hurricanes also locked in a battle right now. Carolina currently leads the series 2-1. New York grinds one out in game three, getting the 3-1 victory, I believe, at home. Is that at home? Yeah, at home in the garden. And after the game, there was some extracurricular activities that were going down. And head coach of the New York Rangers, Gerard Gallant, was not having any of it. He um, he was not very pleased with uh, what um, Tony D'Angelo was doing after the game, kind of getting mixed up in some things. And, uh, you know, originally the fight was between Max Domi and Ryan Lindgren. 
Uh, and then everybody else ended up getting involved. Tony D was on the ice. And Gerard Gallant, if we uh, if we recall, was never the coach of Tony D'Angelo as a New York Ranger. However, still not pleased with uh, Tony D'Angelo and straight up told him to, I believe this is a direct quote, shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> yep, that was that. Was that. Uh, Gerard Gallant, not having any of it, was pretty pissed. Um, and now... Yeah, the Rangers getting a win in this series and not being 3-0. So when you look at this series, now you got the coach of the Rangers all pissed and you got Tony D'Angelo involved in it. Do you think this changes the shape of the way this series looks? Because, you know, no offense to the Rangers or anything, they kind of looked outmatched, especially in the first two games. I mean, they feel like they've kind of turned turned the tables and now they're kind of dominating play. Uh I think this series is kind of like the amateur series. It's like it's all, all about momentum and the momentum's in the Rangers' favor. Yes, uh, especially considering right now during game four, New York is up to nothing. Um, I do not know what period that game is in, but. They are. At, it should be at the end of the second. I thought it was three. Yeah, it, it's around two, three, nothing. Oh, it's three, nothing. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. So it looks like the Rangers have caught some momentum here. Um. Well, I guess with all these things considered, there is still a third period to be played in this game, so who knows what's going to happen. But if this series does go 2-2 tied into Carolina, what are we thinking? Um, you got some new fire for the Rangers here. Their coach is fired up. Their team is fired up. Can Carolina put a cap on this series and kind of regain control in a way? Um, Boy, uh, it's going to be hard. I mean, the way Igor is playing, ever since he landed that bad goal in – uh, game three, yeah, he let up the, his bat. Only goal he let in was a terrible goal right through his five hole, and he's just been unstoppable ever since. So, they're good. Carolina is going to need to solve that. Yeah, he, I mean, Igor Shosturkin is your own problem to say. We were talking about Andre Vasilevsky, but man, if you want to talk about another Russian wonder, Igor Shosturkin has got to be in the conversation. Um, Adam, what about you? Correct me if I'm wrong. Both teams have won. Seemingly, as you know, if the result right now holds, both teams will won their games at home. Correct. Home yet. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to come down to either A, whoever loses at home first, or B, the Rangers getting it into seven. Because if the home team constantly continues to win, the Rangers are likely going to win it just based on the way the series seems to be going. If Say the Rangers lose tonight, I think their foundation is going to be shook a little bit, and it's going to lead to them possibly losing the series. This is going to be a hard one to call. I think Carolina on paper seems to be the better team, and as good as Shesterkin has been, he's kind of been spotty. If his his confidence gets shook, he's not having you know a good game, and. I mean, it's back right now, but all it takes is for something bad to happen. And we're looking at what we saw in round one. Right, right. And if you're Carolina and you let two slip while in New York, where's your head at with this? Because, you know, those are two winnable games probably in New York, especially the game three. That was a winnable game to to achieve. Uh, Tonight, not so much if it stays the way it is now. But you know, winnable game in New York, you end up losing it. You start some shit after the fact, and now, now all you've done is made the Rangers pissed. Um, how do you come back and make sure that, A, you win at home, but then also you got to win in the Garden? Um, wait, don't uh, – doesn't Carolina have home ice advantage here? 
They do. Yes. Yeah, that's why game seven, I'm pretty sure, goes back to Carolina. Does it go to Carolina? It goes to Carolina. All right. Well, then I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> Clearly. Oh, uh, no. Uh, yeah, the reason so, I'm not the lead. And that's the, that's the reason I think that Carolina still wins the series because I do think it's a situation where everybody's going to win at home. Yeah, I agree. I think that's how this is going to end up shaking out. And Matt, do you agree in a way there? I don't know, man. I'm interested to watch. I feel like this is the only series that's definitely going seven. Yeah, agreed. I, I It's hard for me to say that this series isn't going to go seven. Um, but obviously we will see. Um, a reminder we... of our predictions? Well, that's what I was going to say. Why don't we cap off the episode with reminding us of what our predictions were and seeing if we still agree with them. All right. Obviously, so, the Florida-Tampa one's already decided, so we don't have to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, don't have to worry about that one. Um, I'll just go from the top down. For Matt, for the Colorado series, Matt has Colorado in six. Brian has Colorado in six, and I had Colorado in five. Uh, I'm looking to be on the, the pretty upswing on that one right now. Uh, I, still, I, I think I'm right. I think St. Louis wins one more game. I agree with Matt. I, I'm saying completely 100% confident in my pick with Colorado in six. I'm going to be the asshole that's six with my pick because I want to be right for once. <laughs> there you go. Stick with your guns, big guy. Uh, for, Cal- for the Calgary series, Matt has Calgary in five. Brian has Calgary in seven. I have Edmonton in seven, which I honestly think is going to be pretty doable. Um, I honestly might drop that to Edmonton in six, but I th- I'm going to stick with my gut and say seven. Well, I might switch my pick. I mean, I might switch my pick, man. Edmonton's looking like the team that's like they can't stop Connor McDavid, and uh, we might see that tonight. So uh, I'm, I'm going to switch. I'm going to switch. I think Edmonton wins this series. How many games? Well, we're in game four, right? And Correct. they're up 2-1. Six. Yeah, six. They went at home. Okay. Edmonton six going full switch, huh? Um yeah. all right. For me, it's it's tough because Matt brings up a great point. Stopping Connor McDavid right now seems like the impossible task. But also, I think Edmund Edmonton still has defensive issues. They still have goaltending issues. Like it just it is what it is. It's hard to ignore it. Um, so I'm still sticking with my pick. I still think Calgary in seven. I, I'm still there for it. I will put the seal of approval on there, and I think Calgary can get this done in seven. Right on. Interesting. So we're ignoring the Tampa Bay Florida series because that's already on, off the books. So the Carolina-New York series, Matt has Carolina in six, Brian Carolina in five, and I have Carolina also in six. Oof. Yeah, this one's tough to think about now. This one's uh, it's a toughie. Um, for me, I said Carolina in five. It's still possible, but obviously some things have changed here. I still think I'm gonna go with what I said a little bit earlier, where everybody's gonna win at home. So that's why I think Calgary ends up winning this series. But uh, not Calgary. Um, Carolina ends up Carolina. winning the series, but they do it in seven instead. I'm not switching my pick. I, I still like Carolina. I, I, I think they'll be able to get their offense going. Um, what series? What game? We're in game four now. Game yeah, four right uh, now. Two one. So it might be two two. Uh, I, I'll go seven. I think this series is going seven. Carolina seven. 
Adam, what say you? I got to think about this because I I see what you guys are saying with it going seven, but I'm going to stick with my gut. I think Carolina pulls it out in six. Still, still saying Carolina six, huh? I, I think so. I have a sneaking suspicion that Shesterkin hasn't fully gotten his game back underneath him. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it's not like he's not good. Don't get us wrong. Like he's still, you know, playing very well. But for some reason, it seems like he's lost his footing in a way. Um, that Maybe is because of a lower body injury. Quite possibly. Um, obviously injuries aside, we don't know those things quite yeah, yet. Yeah, no, we're but, not speculating. But it looks like we're all sticking with Carolina, which I think is the right way to go. Uh, other than that, gentlemen, unless you got any other NHL news or notes. Uh, just want to make sure that there's been no crazy tweets. Um, I mean, the only other thing of note is all the, uh, the GM and coach talks that are going out there, but that's still uh, a little early to really discuss. That's really there's really nothing I can think of. Yeah, we need to save that for the offseason. We need content. We need content this is during true. the no, offseason. This is true. Adam. Um, all right, everybody. I, I have a bag always, of chips in the wings. <laughs> right. There you go. As always, everybody, thank you so much for listening. You guys continuing to to just bring the listenership to this podcast is really, really fulfilling for us. And we very much appreciate it. It brings smiles to our faces. We it does. It. Yeah, really. It it really makes us, you know really want to come back every single Tuesday night and, and do this as, as, as a team. So we really appreciate it folks. Um, go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OTPP pod. And while you're on there, you can click the link and head to our store and buy some stuff for yourself or your friends or your family. We got everything that you're going to need. Adam, go ahead and plug the Twitch. Twitch.tv slash on the power play Jacksonville interstellar streams. Probably going to aim for tomorrow unless something crazy happens. Uh, keep an eye on the socials. I'll try and get a, a Instagram post, a Twitter post out there early so you guys know to come out and watch. Uh, Interstellars are way better than I anticipated. I expected things to fall apart. Um, and everyone's favorite goaltender and mine, Buck Bumble, lighten the league Double up. Double Bs. Gotta yeah. love Buck Bumble. Just absolutely That's- getting it done. The Bumble Meister. The Bumble Meister. <laughs> Yeah, that's right, folks. The Bumblemeister. Oh, yeah. uh, and also stay tuned for the possibilities of Interstellar's merch. That could be a thing. Ooh. That could be a thing that happens, folks. Uh, as always, on board. like I said, thank you so much for listening, and we out!